It must be Thursday. Welcome to Learning Unwrapped, the podcast about your most important life skill, learning. My guest today is a woman I've had the pleasure of working with for almost two decades. She is the Chief Strategy Officer for IDE Corp, Innovative Designs for Education, and we co-authored a book on leadership with Principal Julie Marks and developed 10 Mindsets for Leadership, which she'll talk about today. She earned a bachelor's degree in English, a master's in teaching, and an MBA with an emphasis on organizational behavior and leadership. She consults with school and district leaders who are looking to innovate instruction. Please welcome my colleague, Tanya Bosco. Hi, Nancy. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to have you. I'm excited to talk with you today about leadership mindsets. So you're up in Jersey. Typically, we're closer together here in Florida. So I saw on the news this morning that it's uh, pretty cold up there. So how's your weather? Uh, freezing. And there was a nor'easter last night. I'm renting an Airbnb in Nyack, New York. And it's a tall wood house. And I was like listening last night to everything creak and woke up this morning and didn't find any trees on the house. So I thought it was a good day. And but no snow on the ground, so that's a and good no, thing. And no snow on the ground either, which was even better. What's going on on the news up there? Well, what's funny is, you know how I always say that in New York, news would always be would always start with some sort of an incident. You know, there was a, a, a robbery or a mugging or, you know, some, some incident happening. And when I moved to Florida, every newscast seems to start with an animal story. It's like <laughs> it's so chickens true. were running wild or... There's a you know panther on 275 or uh, alligator stories, whatever. So on the news this morning, they uh, shared that the, the alligators, I guess, who are in mating season in Florida have started roaming. And there was one, a 10-footer that was roaming around on people's lawns in Venice. Yes. And that the police showed up and, you know, convinced it to get back in the water or the whole thing. But what was funny was that the newscaster then said, there are like some 1.8 million alligators in Florida. And apparently it's our responsibility to tell you about it every time somebody sees one. And he did it in that cynical way of like, we don't do animal stories, but I bet it was the top news story in Florida, right? It absolutely was uh, yesterday <laughs> and today headlining news here. Uh, and I, I got to tell you, those things are pretty prehistoric looking, so I can see why. They are. I know I've golfed and, you know, watched them roam across the golf course. So anyway, so perhaps we can talk about leadership and alligators, but um, <laughs> uh, let's get to our topic today. I have had the pleasure of co-authoring the book, Students Taking Charge, Implementation Guide for Leaders with you, which focuses on how leaders empower teachers to empower students toward engagement, empowerment, and efficacy. The idea that we should prepare students to be able to tackle any problem or challenge that they want to, to be successful in life. So you engage in a lot of consulting uh, around the 10 mindsets that are laid out in the book. First, could you just run us through the list of 10 so that our listeners get a sense of the mindsets that we've determined for leadership? Absolutely. It'd be my pleasure. So we start out by sharing the mindset of transactional to transformational, then from engagement to empowerment to efficacy. Then we talk about moving from ferry to bridge, from mandating change to inspiring change, from nodes to lines, systems thinking in action, 
from surface innovation to deep innovation, from office-based to classroom-based, from dissemination to conversation, from silos to teams, and finally, from dutiful administrator to warrior advocate. So some of these seem self-explanatory, but maybe you could explain more. What does from ferry to bridge look like as an organization's leader? That is such a, a central mindset shift. And, you know, in thinking about that, I would say that looks like capacity building in an organization because it's really about putting structures in place that empower everyone in the organization and really create transferable practice. So if you as the leader are operating always from the mindset of I have to ferry or I have to transport people, get them from one place to another, you are never going to instill leadership in others. You're never going to position them to have any sort of succession plan in your organization or you're never going to free yourself up to be able to trust that others in your organization are making decisions and acting in the way in which you would. And so Ferry Bridge is really about all the structures that go into place to allow that to happen. And it's not a free-for-all, right? A bridge is a highly constructed um, set of steel and wires that might hold it up if it's a suspension bridge. And there's so much um, engineering and thought and design that goes into the bridge that allows travelers to go from one place to the next. And so in an organization, it's the same way. There's all the pre-thought planning, truly engineering design thinking that has to happen in order for a leader of an organization to be able to create structures that allow everyone in the organization to move freely. And I know that's one of the paradigm shifts of our um, instructional framework, the Learner Active Technology Infused Classroom, that instead of teachers ferrying students by saying, do this, do this, et cetera, build the structures that allow them to take themselves across the learning journey. And it's fun that the Airbnb that I am staying in is overlooking the Hudson and the new Tapanzi Bridge, which is called the Mario Cuomo Bridge. And it's a very long, long bridge. And I think about that while I'm looking at it thinking, imagine what it took for engineers to put all of that together to make it work. And yet we drive across it back and forth every day and never even think about it because we've been empowered to take ourselves across that bridge. Right. And I know we've spent a lot of time working on that with, with teachers in classrooms with students, but I think it's very fascinating the work that you're now doing with leaders to also shift to say, well, you can't furry your teachers. If you really want an effective organization, you have to become a bridge builder to create all the structures for them. Absolutely. Especially in, in this time when leaders are so overwhelmed with everything that's happened with the way our world has changed in the last few years. Right. If we, if we as leaders can't empower others, we're not going to make it. We're not going to last as an organization. Right. Good point. Good point. So uh, the other one that's intriguing, I think, for people is nodes to lines. From nodes to lines, system thinking and action. So what might that look like? Because I don't think people think about the nodes and lines Hardly ever. And when we talk about this one, leaders are often, you know, oh, yeah, I've heard of systems thinking, but they don't really think so deeply about it. Because every day there are so many things on our list, right? And, and if we see those things as just a list, I have to do this, and then I have to do this, and then I have to do this, and then I have to do this, it can become mundane, and it can just feel like you're going through the motions. And if you're leading in that way, where everyone in your organization 
is also just going down the list and doing the, the next thing. Yeah, we might say it's efficient and work gets done or, you know, we meet our goals, things are things are completed. But it's not really about um, the beauty and the richness that comes through seeing the connection. So from nodes to lines is a shift in thinking of not just looking at everything that we need to accomplish in a given day, a week, a quarter, this this year, whatever the time period might be. But it's really about looking at those lines that connect the nodes, that connect all those components of the system together. And it's, you know, it's a super skill of leadership being able to see those connections mm-hmm. of nodes to lines. Cause as a, as a leader, you know, there's a lot of nodes that we, we have floating around out there that we're trying to keep track of and being able to see how they all fit together and help everyone else to see how they fit together is so important. I think two years ago when I was working with principals who were designing learner active technology infused schools, obviously the, the work that they're doing with teachers on, let's say professional development would be a node, uh, the curricular materials that they are selecting would be a node and then their own faculty meetings would be a node. And it was interesting how it's very difficult. I I think because of the way the world of education works, which is almost an assembly line, just churning out mandates and information that we miss the point. If you're trying to design classrooms that are about engagement, empowerment, and efficacy, you need to select curricular materials that are not going to say, and now the teacher presents this lesson and now the teacher has the students do, you know, that that it becomes a ferry. You need to to select the kinds of curricular materials that will enhance through that relationship. So that would be the line, you know, that the Mm -hmm. curriculum is enhancing or the curricular materials are enhancing the idea of putting students in charge of their own learning. And then when you run your faculty meeting, it has to look different And I remember years ago, I worked with a principal and I suggested that she start running faculty meetings to empower the teachers more to take charge of the faculty meeting. And her comment was, oh, you know, at three o'clock, they're just exhausted. I don't think anybody's going to want to do anything. And I said, well, let's just try it. And so she ended up asking some teachers who were um, using some really cool strategies to if they would be willing to share at the faculty meeting. And she ended up creating about six different uh, groups that you could choose. And the idea would be that the teachers would go to one of these six tables to talk more about a particular topic. And I think it was, you know, after 20 minutes, they switched to another. So they got to engage in two conversations. And she texted me, she said at 3.30, everybody, you know, actually she couldn't have texted me. I don't even think text was available. She called or emailed me and said, uh, we're talking the nineties now, you know, and she just said, a few years uh, ago, you're right. Just a few. And she said like, oh my God, it was the best faculty meeting ever. Everyone was so energized. And at three 30, when it would be time to leave and normally everybody's packing up their stuff while you're still talking, she said, I couldn't get them to leave. They can, they were continuing to go. And, and I think that's the key that we have to see that the relationship between, for instance, modeling a learner active philosophy and engaging teachers in PD around learner active and having curriculum that supports it. It's all about those relationships, those lines. And that is the hardest thing. And I I fear that in this time, as you were saying, what's happening in education in the world right now, that more people are putting their head down to back to the list. Yes. Yes. And what you just spoke about made me think of 
you know, systems thinking when we really take it to the next level. Yeah, first we have to be able to see how everything is connected. And and really the first step is independent, right? Understanding all the independent nodes and then how are those nodes dependent upon each other? But then it's the interdependence. And that's the word that was coming mm-hmm. to mind for me when you were describing what happened in that meeting where the teachers were really truly interdependent upon each other. And that's what we want in organizations, right? You want everybody to bring every individual member of your organization to bring their best to the system so that we can depend upon each other and become interdependent and stronger together to do amazing things. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, when, um, when we engage in curriculum work and we talk about transdisciplinary curriculum and transdisciplinary themes, uh, which is not about trying to force fit content, but looking more at the concepts that are transcendent. Uh, one of my favorites has always been from dependence to independence to interdependence. And kids love that too. And if you think about it, it's, it's how they move in their lives. You know, it's like, sure. First you're dependent upon your parents, your teachers, you know, your caregivers, everybody. And then you become more independent, but you truly don't evolve into a uh, mature and fulfilled human being until you can become interdependent with groups of people. So uh, I love that you brought that up. You just took me back. Um, So listen, as you engage with organizational leaders, which mindset are you finding is the most mind blowing, perhaps something that they hadn't thought about? I think um, just, and especially in the last year, one of the things I've seen that is, has been really truly mind blowing to use (laughs) that's an appropriate phrase is the significance of conversation. There's been so much information that leaders have had to convey to their organization and and the members of those organizations just to keep things moving along. And and that's the the amount of information is just amplified and, you know, (laughs) blown up in the last year, year or two. And and so that's the mindset of moving from dissemination dissemination to conversation conversation and Mm. how important conversation is. It's not just about, you know, we, as leaders, we want to get out information, right? We want to make sure that the members of the organization know what's going on. And so sometimes it might feel more efficient to just put the information out there, but engaging everybody in the organization in conversation around that and then the art of the conversation and how do you actually structure a conversation to be most productive? That's been the most, I'd say, I mean, it's so much fun. That would be the most fun work because it is mind blowing. And it's so awesome to see people have that realization of like, wow, this conversation would have never happened if we didn't put the structures in place and the protocols to follow. And we didn't think about all the people that are coming to the table and how do they function and how do they participate in the conversation? So that I would say that's been mind blowing for them and and for me too to be a part of. And that takes me back to the story I just told that if the principal is running a faculty meeting to disseminate information and share out all of the news of the day, uh, you know, it hits it lands one way. But to engage teachers in conversations about instruction and of course in these days learning acceleration and social and emotional learning and equity and everything that schools are trying to. Uh, wrap themselves around to engage the teachers in those conversations is so much more powerful. And for leaders to just sit down and have conversations rather than so many of the mandates. And and again, I think that uh, some leaders would say, well, my hands are tied because there are so many mandates coming at us. But the, the key would be if your mindset 
is away from dissemination and toward conversation for every mandate that comes down, you find a way to run a conversation around it. Exactly. Now, I know we wrote the book with school and district administrators in mind, but you've applied these mindsets to other contexts as well. So talk about that. Well, it's, it's funny because just to give everybody listening a little bit of insight here, when we were writing the book and we and I had, hadn't written one before, so I hadn't been through that process, which is truly a creative process. And to get to the place where we thought through the mindsets was many iterations, right? That's not where we started when we were thinking about this. Not at all. And and not at all. Well, I, you know, I've written books where I've like rewritten the entire book four times until that synthesis comes together and something cool comes out of it. And yeah, and it's, it's, it's so true to be a part of that process. And then even to see, you know, once you publish the book and then you're like, okay, how's this going to land? How are people going to receive the book? But it's interesting even to be a co-author on the book and to see how that book has evolved for me and how I even work with the book and use the information in different ways. So what I mean by that is I see connections all over the place. So uh, true confessions, I'm a reality TV fan. And, um, you know, I try to watch high quality reality TV if there is such a category. <laughs> but favorite, anyway. show, favorite show? Oh, yeah. Well, we're not going to talk about that one here. Oh. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do love Undercover Boss. And I think a lot about the mindsets for leadership with Undercover Boss. And if you're not familiar with the format of the show, Basically, it's it's bosses, and we're talking really high-level people of major organizations. You know, you're the owner of Staples. You're the person who founded Dunkin' Donuts, whatever it is, right? And then you go undercover, and you go work in one of your businesses alongside the people who are, you know, on the ground doing the work. And what I, what I love about the show is the fact that I see all of these mindsets playing out as- wow undercover bosses, those leaders have the realization of, of really first looking through an empathetic lens and seeing like, what does this, what does this look like in practice? And it makes me think about, you know, in the book, we obviously wrote it about school. So one of our mindsets is from office-based to classroom-based. Well, it's not, you know, we could replace classroom-based with whatever your like setting is. Show. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's yeah. the show, right? It's about being in the work. And I think, you know, that that's such a critical component um, of these mindset shifts is looking at yourself as a leader, um, really being truly a part of the work. And, you know, I was interviewing um, a candidate for our company not so long ago, and she was asking a little bit about, you know, how is our organization structured? And I described it like a like a wagon wheel. And so when you think about that visual, oftentimes you might think of like the leaders and the leadership team in the center, and then everybody else is around, right? Spokes on the outside. I described it to her as the leadership team surrounds everybody and keeps everything moving, but all of our our people and our team is is what makes the organization happen. And so I think, you know, we're going back to these mindset shifts and, and thinking about them, even, you know, engagement, empowerment, efficacy, right? That's one of our mindset shifts. We want to make sure that people enjoy the work that they're doing, that they are personally fulfilled by it, that they see a purpose that's greater. Then we put structures in place, you know, going back to our fairy bridge conversation. And once that happens, then we can create people who are efficacious, who go out and make things happen. From mandating change to inspiring change, I can't think of a single organization that doesn't benefit from inspiration or that we don't experience 
you know, amazing things happening when people are inspired. You know, it comes back to even Nancy, what you were just talking about with the faculty meeting, dissemination to conversation, right? I can hand you a piece of paper with do this, do this, do this, do this, and here's this mandate. But it's so much different when I can inspire you through conversation and get you excited about it. Um, and, and then, you know, even silos to teams, what organization doesn't struggle with silos, particularly in this post pandemic world when many organizations had to go remote and now we're trying to get people back into offices and together. And if they're not physically coming back into offices, there's been so much intentional work around connecting people. And how do we retain that? now that they can be back together again. And it would be easy enough to just go into your cubicle or into your office or, you know, whatever your workplace is and not necessarily be um, purposefully connected together. Well, I think we want to talk about all of them. I mean that. Yeah. Well, well, that makes on. me think about the fact that schools, businesses, other organizations um, were obviously interrupted by the COVID pandemic last year. And you've alluded to that. And that has caused a lot of restructuring and rethinking. That's We've restructured here. And we now uh, offer self-paced online professional learning experiences we never had before. We've invented a lot and changed the way. We're doing a lot more remote consulting with schools. So how do you see the mindsets helping leaders ensure that their organizations, whether schools or businesses or other organizations, thrive in this new world? I mean, take any of the mindsets and think through them, but but I, I think the key is spending spending time in your day every single day to draw yourself back to making the mindset shift and constantly challenging yourself to think about what does how am I operating here? What decision am I making? Um, am I making decisions that emanate from my why? That's in our our first um, mindset shift of going from you know, transactional to transformational. It's so important to really be reflective and to at, challenge yourself and think about, you know, what am I doing here? Am I just going through the motions and, uh, you know, business as usual, or am I thinking deeply about what I'm doing? And in our, in one of the chapters, we talk about um, going from, you know, dutiful administrator to being that warrior and again, replace the word administrator to dutiful leader, right? Somebody who carries out the actions. And uh, I love one of the pieces in there. It's the super skills of leadership. And I feel like this is really applicable um, in any setting, but particularly in a post-COVID world. So those super skills are vision, courage, intuition, integrity, systems thinking, competence, and empathy. And I mean, I work at those every single day. You know, every single thing. I don't know a leader who doesn't. And I think being grounded in that fact and challenging yourself to always ask, you know, what do I, what do I need to really emulate and work on in every interaction is what makes the difference. It's so, so true, so powerful. And as you said, I, you know, now you're taking me back to when we wrote the book and how we were writing about stories of leadership and how to help teachers, you know, move toward empowering students. And then uh, it just emerged that we said like, well, wait, this is a mindset shift and wait, this is a mindset shift. And then you just start coming up with um, all of them. And now it's like, you realize this just isn't about classrooms, uh, you know, that empower students. This is about the world, organizations, uh, you know, businesses, everybody 
could benefit from those mindsets. So it's pretty powerful. And I know that um, the, you know, people can obviously Google the book, Students Taking Charge, Implementation Guide for Leaders, and find out more about it or get to look inside. And I don't even know, actually, if you go on to Amazon and look inside, do you get to see the 10 mindsets there? But I know that uh, they're probably listed somewhere on our website, idecorp.com. They are indeed on our books page. Oh, oh, good. Okay. IDECORP.com. If you go to the books page, you can find them there. And I know also that you run virtual learning communities on uh, this topic, on the 10 mindsets of leadership as well, which are kind of online yet facilitated uh, workshops with leaders. I know you're running one now that is actually with teacher leaders, right? Correct. Yeah. And it's uh, it's interesting because the the course was designed with leaders in mind. So when we think about school organizations, we think about traditional leadership roles, you know, supervisors, principals, assistant superintendents, superintendents, directors, all of those kind of roles. And I've been working with teachers who are, and, and they're not in any sort of formal leadership role, but they are electing to participate in this course because they want to build a, they want to build their own leadership capacity and B, they talk about how they want to learn more about leadership because they want to instill those skills in their students and think intentionally about how do they make their students leaders. And that's cool. I mean, it's been, it's been, it's been awesome. I mean, it's been such powerful work to hear their reflections and how they take these mindsets and think about what does that look like for themselves. Okay. That's really powerful too, to read those insights and to talk with them about it in our virtual conversations, but to see what they're doing with kids is just awesome. Just awesome. That's cool. And I know that, uh, you have done a lot more work and consulting work around the 10 mindsets than I have. So even though I was part of writing the book, uh, and I've read it a couple of times, uh, I don't work with it on a daily basis as much as you do. So share a favorite insight that you have from the book or the work you've been doing around leadership. What's one insight you want to share with our our listeners? It's so hard to choose just one because I, I get the pleasure of working with, with people and leaders every day. But I think the, um, the one that, that is always so truly, you know, we, we throw around the word awesome all the time, but really, truly awesome, awe-inspiring is when leaders share with me and have the realization that leadership is not positional, that it's not about, I got this title, I'm in this role, I have this job, I'm the leader of this, I'm the leader of that, but really leadership is truly a set of beliefs that guide your actions and, and take you back to your core all the time. I love that. I mean, that's just like, uh, what does it get any better to do this work and to hear people have that sort of, of insight and realization doesn't get any better than that. You know, then right. you've changed, you've changed a life forever when people have that realization. So right, right. it's, it is truly awesome is the best word for it really. And awe-inspiring. You know, I remember in my, in my career, I started out as a teacher and then I ended up shifting and going into the world of computer science and being a, a programmer analyst and then a manager. And then, you know, one day decided that I, what, what was I doing? My calling was to be in education and I came back. Thank God, or we wouldn't have the company now. Right. But exactly. I think what was interesting is at the time I thought, oh, I should get an MBA. So I started an MBA program and the first course they talked about, are you a 
push pull or click click leader. And they mm-hmm. said a push pull leader takes their name tag and title, you know, name placard and title and sticks it in the front of their desk with the old, I'm the boss and you will do this. And of course, if you have people who might not agree with you, then they're going to push back, but then you're, and it's a constant push and pull. And they said, click, click leaders are really more connected and use more psychology. You know, where are we trying to go? What is, what's, what's in this person's mind? What's going to help inspire them to move forward, et cetera. And I never forgot that because I thought that was so powerful. And that's exactly the insight you brought up today. So what, what, what was that? Uh, 40 years later. I love full circle. I love when things powerful. come full circle. That's like my full favorite circle. thing. Yeah. Okay. So let's unwrap the learning. How would you suggest that someone shifts a mindset? Oh, it's work every single day. It's work every single day. It, you know, when you talk about making a mindset shift, it's shifting beliefs, which it's, it's work. (laughs) So it starts with really being um, connected to your core and making sure that everything you do and say emanates from that core. So there is no question from anybody who knows you, talks to you, whether there's somebody within your organization, outside your organization, they should know exactly what you're all about and what is important to you. And when you have that as a, as a leader in an organization, that is what um, creates a following. That's what builds confidence in others. And that's what actually empowers other people to make decisions and act in, in ways that position them as leaders as well, because it's very clear exactly where we're heading and what we're all about and what we're trying to do here. You know, it reminds me of a quadrant that I saw years ago, and I know um, you're familiar with this as well. And I never liked the first term, which is unconscious incompetence. It's not about incompetence, but you're you're unconsciously right. engaging in a way that perhaps might be the uh, dissemination mindset. And you don't even think about it. It's just the way, you know, something's down. You're like, oh, let me send out a memo. Oh, let me say this at a faculty meeting. And then you start to become consciously incompetent where you're like, oh, why am I doing that? Oh, why am I doing that? I don't know again, another way never, to do it. I'm just going to keep doing it. But why I, am I doing I, And I never like the, again, the incompetent yeah. part, but yeah. you're, you're literally saying, wait, like I am doing whatever Tanya's talking about there, you know? So then you become consciously competent where you literally stop yourself and say, wait, is there another way I could have done this? You know, and you really work very hard to behave in new ways and then eventually you become unconsciously competent where it's just the way you work. It's, I guess it's the, when we talk about changing a habit, you know, right. it, it moves from constantly reflecting on, am I still doing things the old way and I'm going to work hard at doing things the new way. And then eventually I won't have to think about it anymore. It's just like riding a bike as we like to say. Exactly. And it's, and it's work. I mean, that's what I, that's what I mean. And even, you know, when you get away from something and you want to come back to it, it's work again. We can't just take it for granted. It's it's work. Right. Because yeah. we've seen people even start to behave in new ways and then slide back to old ways. Um, even when I think about teaching, I was working with some teachers a million years ago and this teacher had designed a fabulous learner active technology infused classroom. And 
you walked in and it was just perfect. There were problem-based learning tasks and students engaging in scheduling their own time from activity lists and teachers running small group lessons. It was just perfect. And uh, the superintendent even had her speaking at county curriculum meetings, et cetera. And then one day I happened to be driving by the school on my way home and I thought, oh, let me pop in and say hi to the principal. And the principal said, oh, you should go and see some of the classrooms. You know, the teachers would love to see you. And I walked into her classroom and all the desks were in rows and she was sitting, you know, all the kids were sitting forward and they were all on page 23 of the social studies book. And I remember looking like, huh? And she ran up to me and she said, oh my God, oh my God, I didn't know you were coming today. And I said, well, I was just in the neighborhood. So I thought I'd pop by. And she said, I was just out sick for three days. And so coming back, I just wanted to get all the kids on the same page so that we could get mm. back to being learner active. And I walked out of there thinking, you see, that's the trick of a mindset shift. If I can consciously be working in one way, but then when some little curveball comes along, I go back, revert back yeah, to my comfort zone, which was teacher led instruction then have I really shifted my mindset? And I know we talk a lot about that in our work, that it's one thing to help teachers, you know, because we provide professional development. It's one thing to help teachers get to the point where they can enact, implement the learner active classroom. It's another thing to watch when some curveball comes along, how do they think their way through it? And, and does it become, and I, I know you even had a client, um, we, won't, we won't name any clients, but that you had a client where their district mandated a new kind of teacher-directed curriculum, and the teachers pretty much pulled apart the, the textbook program, whatever, and turned it into bits and pieces, putting things on the activity list, using, like, they had shifted their thinking and would never teach in a way that was whole class, I disseminate, now you practice, it, you know, and then you have free time where you can choose from an activity list and they wouldn't do that because they had shifted their mindset. And that's, that's powerful. And it's a, a right. credit to your work. And it's, and that is work also, you know, to, it's just, it goes back to what you're saying before to be, to be constantly thinking about, okay, I wasn't expecting this. And let me just, you know, let me just tell you what to do, or let me just, you know, and, and, but to instead really work hard to inspire others to keep making that change and making that shift. Uh, it's exciting. That's awesome. Sounds That's like it. you work really hard here at IDE. I do. And I am, uh, you know, we joke about our, our personality types. If you don't know Nancy and me, um, we're the opposite. Nancy is definitely um, an extrovert. I'm much more of an introvert. I'm a total internal processor. And so I, as that sort of person, I am constantly thinking about what's the strategy here? How am I going to get this person to move? You know, what, well, what am I doing myself? You know, going, I was, I live in that window, those four, was it Jahari window or something like that? Right, right. right. I Right. I live in that all the time thinking about, um, oh my gosh, what am I doing that I'm not even aware that I'm doing? And I second guess myself. And so, you know, in, in terms of working with leaders, I so empathize with leaders who feel that way too. And, and when I talk to leaders about their type and their style and they tell me that, I'm like, I get you. I understand. And I also get the opposite of you because I get to work with, with people who are, you know, near and dear to my heart and, and so and so entirely different. We're like the kites um, flying all over the place. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. And you're uh, the string. That's right. It's all kite grounded. And string. Kite and string. And it plays out in, in all aspects of life, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I even, 
you know, I look at it personally, I look at it professionally. It's, it's, uh, it's really, it's powerful work. That's good stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm thrilled to have been working with you for almost 20 years. So I have to have a big anniversary, right? Uh, Likewise. It's gone by. Party, big party. (laughs) All right, my friend. Well, Tanya Bosco, there she is the co-author of Students Taking Charge, Implementation Guide for Leaders. And uh, you can find her on Twitter, right? You sure can. Find her At on Twitter. Tanya underscore IDE. All right. There you got it. So thanks, Tanya, so much for sharing these insights on leadership. I appreciate Nancy, having you here. Nancy, thank you. Thank you for inspiring me to be a leader and for um, you know giving me the opportunity to partner with you on this. Well, that's a wrap. I'm glad you could join me. I hope you'll subscribe, like, and share this podcast and help me spread the word about the power of learning. Till next time.